The Leech Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leech Report or email leechreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Thursday edition of the Leach Report. Glad you guys are on board with us here from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. Today, we will chat with Mike Pratt to lead us off on a Thursday. Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated. And we'll finish up with Audrey Snyder from The Athletic. She covers Penn State football. And I um, wanted to get her on the show to talk about Will Levis, who is getting ready to uh, get into summer school at UK and start seeing what he can do to make a run at the quarterback job in the battle with Joey Gatewood, Bo Allen, and the rest. And uh, we'll get some uh, insight into Will Levis's time with the Penn State program. Let's get to the Wildcat news of the day. It is a service of Kentucky Beer Cheese, and UK announced yesterday that it will be full capacity at Kroger Field for the games this fall, starting on September 4th against Louisiana Monroe. They said it will be the quote, traditional game day environment. So you'll be able to tailgate and have uh, all the regular fun that you were used to having before the uh, 2019 COVID uh, year derailed everything. That will be so good to see a, a big crowd at Kroger Field for the opening game and then a huge game in week two against Missouri. Pro Football Focus is out with their preseason top 25. Kentucky's just outside it at number 27. Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma make up the top five, as it seems like they do about every year. Florida is 7th, LSU 10th. So three teams on the Kentucky schedule are ranked in the top 10. LSU coming off a disappointing year, and Florida, LSU will come into Lexington on back-to-back weekends in October. Sky Clark tweeting yesterday that his commitment to UK is stronger than ever. Of course, he is making plans to make an official visit to UK now that that is permitted. That will be coming up in mid-June. Liam Drexel, top seed in the NCAA men's tennis tournament has advanced to the Final Four. He'll take on the sixth seed today in Orlando at 2 Eastern time. So good luck to Liam. UK Rifles Mary Tucker has qualified in a second event for the Olympics. First UK Rifle Team member to make the Olympic team in two events. And finally... 18 times in a row, UK Athletics has now posted a cumulative GPA of 3.0 or better. So, job well done there to the um, athletes in the UK Athletics programs. Last night in the NBA playoffs, the Knicks even the score with Atlanta, coming from 13 down at the half to beat the Hawks 101-92 and square the series at one apiece. Julius Randle struggled through the first half as he did in the first game. Atlanta is sending a lot of double teams at him, and it was a different way than they played him during the regular season. But in the third quarter, he got a groove, got it going, and he was a big part of the third quarter rally. In fact, I was reading John Schmielk's posts on 
uh, Twitter. He was with us last week, covers the Knicks, and he noted in one of his posts that without Randall doing what he did in the second half, the Knicks don't win the game. So hopefully Julius can build on that. You know, it's a different game when you're the focal point. We'll talk about this with uh, Mike Pratt uh, here shortly, when you're the focal point of the other team's defense and the way that he has been in the series. So hopefully uh, he can adapt to the way Atlanta is playing him and build on that second half last night. So big win for the Knicks. And uh, John Morant, former Murray State star, 47 points for Memphis. Unfortunately for him and the Grizzlies, it came in a loss to Utah's. That series is now even at one apiece. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at townleachky.com. We'll head to a break. Mike Pratt will join us when we come right back. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. 14 past the top of the hour on a sunny Thursday as we welcome Mike Pratt into the program. Uh, Mike, that was a nice win for the Knicks last night, and uh, Julius Randle, who had been struggling, uh, was part of the rally there in the third quarter. He uh, has kind of been uh, having some issues with the way the Hawks have defended him. Yeah, that was interesting, uh, and I think it frustrated him, or it looked like it frustrated him. And uh, so I thought he took some bad choices or took some bad shots, choices with the ball. Um, and uh, later in the fourth quarter in particular, he started putting the ball on the floor and, and getting closer. Um, he, he had a nice paint touch and a basket. And instead of shooting those threes under pressure, and uh, I thought uh, somebody talked to him, he made the adjustment, and that's how you play the game. I was adjust, and you have to adjust to it. Watching at halftime, and uh, the guys on TNT were talking about Atlanta sending two guys at him every time he tried to to make a move, and he had averaged, I think they said, thirty seven a game against Atlanta during the season, and so you know those guys. Uh, on, on the sideline that uh, are coaching, uh, usually have a little bit of knowledge about the game, and so they're not going to continue to get beat the same way. And you know, you get into the playoffs for Julius. It's a, a different thing now. He's he's the man for a team, and he's the you know the the guy they're going to you know, do everything they can to take away. And so there's, there is an adjustment to uh, being approached in that way by the opponent, is there? Yeah, I mean, they have reams and reams of tape on you and on the team, and they've developed a game plan, and people don't think, uh, maybe people don't think you have that uh, as deeply in the pros, but you have it probably even deeper because they have more people working on things like that than college, maybe. But everybody's got a, a, a idea, an answer for somebody's um, uh, play or a team's play, and sometimes it doesn't work. But if you if you go back into uh, basketball um, twenty years ago, they talked about denying the, the ball to somebody uh, to make them work harder without the ball. Well, these guys are bigger, faster, stronger, quicker—the whole deal—and coaches are are more prepared. And uh, so denying the ball is very difficult. 
And now what they try to do is run people at the guy with the ball, at the, the point of attack, and try to make him give it up. It's easier than trying to deny him. You see that quite often, particularly in the pros. Uh, Quickly's uh, done well in, in the first couple of games of this series. Had a nice uh, floater I was watching in the second half last night, that patented shot that he uh, perfected here at Kentucky. And uh, he is, uh, I know we've talked before, you you loved his game, how it could translate to the next level uh, because he can shoot with the range. And because of that, you have to come out on him and then he can go by you and he didn't have to get to the rim to make a shot. Yes, uh, he was a, a three-level score, I thought. Um, with the ball. And, and the thing about Quick is that his game's gonna, going to get better because he's going to get bigger and stronger. He already has the ball handling skills. He can shoot the ball beyond the arc. He can go places off the bounce. Um, so with all those basketball skills he has, what he needs to do is get, get stronger. And he will grow into that. That's why I thought that he was going to have a, uh, assuming no injuries, a, a long career in the NBA. Let's uh, shift to guys who are hoping to have careers in the NBA in the in the draft. Uh, as it pertains to Isaiah Jackson or any of the other Kentucky guys, uh, when you talk to your connections in the NBA, are you hearing anything different than you've heard before on anybody? No, it seems it seems pretty quiet right now. I think everybody's waiting for uh, the workout period when they bring them all to uh, Chicago. I believe it still is and. They work them out and uh, talk to them and, and see what's uh, what's going on in these players' heads. So, I mean, it now is the decision, I think, for Jackson or Keon Brooks, who seems to be waiting for something, is do you, do you believe you've probably already talked to all the NBA people you need to talk to? Now you're, you're who are you listening to? That's the big question. And uh, are you listening to your agent who may be, giving you some marginal information? Maybe not. Are you listening to the people around you? Uh, who are you listening to? And uh, when you're outside of the lottery, which I have been told he's outside the lottery, and you, you got to be careful who you are listening to. Yeah, you don't necessarily need to be paying a whole lot of attention to mock drafts. They're fun for fans to talk about. But like right now in Isaiah, I was talking with uh, Kyle Tucker about this yesterday. There's such a tremendous disparity uh, on Isaiah in particular. I don't know if, if it's like this for many other players, but uh, I think the ESPN, ESPN mock draft has him at, as, as, at 11. Well, if he's 11, it's there, there's no, no doubt about the decision. But uh, there's right. another one that has him like 34th. So that's a pretty wide gap. I, I'm still set with uh, kind of the range that I've heard from people, 18 to 25, I think that's where he's going to fall, uh, depending on uh, who, who uh, has those slots and what their needs are. I mean, he's an attractive young player, but, um, you know, how fast can he develop into a NBA player physically and develop that offense? That is the question. And is your Are your needs as a team uh, uh, your ability to give him that time to develop? If you want to plug and play him, He's not P.J. Washington physically. You're not going to be able to plug and play him. No, but you're going to have to uh, wait for the development to come. And if you can, as a player, you can decide to go ahead and uh, start earning that paycheck and 
get the coaching because, you know, if they take in the first round, they're going to spend plenty of, of time and invest time and effort into developing you, and it'll be, you know, up to you to, to take the coaching. Or you can, you know, try to grow your game with another season in college. All that is so true, Tom. And one other piece to that, maybe the flip side, if I may, is that as an NBA team, are you willing to draft a guy at any position outside of the lottery and, and take uh, take a uh, chance that he will do the things you said? And we have patience. Now, patience sometimes in the NBA is not the longest stretch of time. It's getting better. But you have to feel confident as a team that you have the structure. You can put this young fella uh, with people that can help him grow his game and he becomes the player you think he becomes. So it's it's a two-sided coin. And uh, actually, uh, he's not going to make as much money being drafted 20 as he is 10, 11, and 12. But he's going to a good team at that slot, Tom. And if they're set up to really develop and they're committed to developing through the G League, um, then that's a good slot for him because he's still going to make a lot of money. Now the ball's in his court. What can he do with it, okay? I assume, you know, it could work where if you're a player like him and, you know, in that position in any season, you could, if you hear from one of those better teams, uh, you know, you know, it's, uh, it's the Knicks, it's the Celtics, somebody that's in the playoffs that's drafting further down, and they tell you, if you're available, we're taking you when you come to us. So you know that's your worst-case scenario, and it's with a good team. That makes your decision easier, but I don't know how often uh, players get that kind of uh, info. Yeah, that's that's the hard thing. Everyone says, we want a, commit, a commitment. You've heard that how many times? So, you know, the NBA is, is still, it's a business. And if things change, and I've seen things change, I've been in the, in the draft room when things change all of a sudden because somebody traded somebody, somebody traded the pick. It hasn't been announced yet, but it's a done deal. It's been approved by the NBA. will be announced during the draft. So all of a sudden, the team has said, they will pick you at, let's say, 15. And they traded it to somebody else in part of a deal that hasn't been announced. And now, that team there doesn't really need you. And they have their eyes on somebody else. So, it's more complicated. It can be more complicated than what uh, many people think, just because there is a lot of moving parts. The other piece of it is um, is that people at draft time have a tendency to uh, not tell the truth. Let's put it this way. Really? Uh, put, yeah, try to put people <laughs> off. And, uh, you know, the great story is Keldon Johnson. Everybody was saying he was, you know, end of the lottery, in the teens, and he falls to, what, 29, 30? And here the Spurs seem, and they say, look, we're set up to develop this kid. Let's go with it. Put him in the G League. He can give him so much credit for what he made of his uh, situation, Tom. And now he's a starter uh, a year later. It took him a year in the G League, but uh, he's a guy that tumbled in the draft, was available. Spurs probably didn't think he would be available. I don't know that to be a fact, but in hearing people talk, they gobbled him up at 29. Ended up being a great spot because it looks like he's uh, set up for uh, potentially a nice, successful, long NBA career now. Yeah, I mean, and give give that young fellow credit for yep. uh, earning that second year by working diligently, as I understand it, to develop his game through the G League and up and down a little bit with the, with the team, and uh, they liked that and they they saw the development 
development in him. So that's an ideal situation. Can Isaiah get or Keon get to that uh, situation? I, I don't know. I mean, that's to be seen. Well, there are two Kentucky teams that just imagine if a couple of guys had come back for a second year, you know, off that 2019 team or off that 2017 team. I mean, it was never going to happen. But can you imagine, you know, the 2018 team that would have had, you know, Monk, Fox, Bam, even two of those three guys, and then a 2020 team that might have had, you know, if they in a different era would have had Keldon and Tyler Hero back to develop in a second year, maybe like Quickly did. Woo, that would have been fun to yeah, see. Yeah, you know. I think I think guards are uh, guards are different than big men. Guards are going to be uh, there's if, if you've got certain skill sets, particularly if you can handle the ball and you can shoot it, you're going to find a uh, you're going to find a niche. But I think it's a big a bigger gamble with uh, most big guys that they're going to develop into a uh, three and D four or five and uh, an extra year. Look at Bam; he's a great example. Would you have expected? I thought he was going to develop, and he has blossomed. He's more than developed; he has blossomed, man. He's he's become a star in that league. And uh, the way the college game is, it favors the guards. So, pretty much what you see is what you get most times. But the big guys, man, they're like they're like getting a Christmas present sometimes. <laughs> you open it, you go, "Oh my God!" I drafted him after about a year or so, and you say, "Oh, I got a good one here." Mike Pratt, thank you much. All right, buddy. It's the Leach Report. We'll be right back with Justin Rowland. Justin Rowland joins us from CatsIllustrated.com. Justin, great to uh, hear the news about full capacity at Kroger Field. And I know you were tweeting about how cool it is to see crowds now at these sporting events and the impact that they have. Oh, yeah. Watching the Garden last night in particular. I mean, both of the games, but just the the Knicks game, it just it did the soul so good to see that many people there. And you could tell the players loved it as well. So I'm excited for college football season where I think the effect is going to be, you know, bigger and better than, than any other sport probably. Uh, Justin Rowland, we'll, uh, we'll hold him over to the uh, start of the second hour, coming up on the hard break. For the bottom of the hour, we uh, want to talk a little bit about Kentucky football. Projected uh, six and a half wins. I think it's by FanDuel. That's the over and under anyway. Um, so a lot of Kentucky fans are saying they are all in on the over. We'll talk with that and talk about that and more with Justin Rowland when we come right back. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. From the Clark's Puppet Shop Studio, it's the Leach Report. We chat with Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com. Six and a half wins over under for Kentucky football. Um, are you all in on the over like most Kentucky fans, Justin? Yeah, I mean, if I if I had to pick, I would probably take the over. And, I, you know, Pro Football Focus, you know, ran a simulation model. I'm not exactly sure how they did it for all 130 FBS teams. And they have Kentucky 27th. And three of the teams they face are ranked ahead of that, Georgia, Florida, and LSU. I thought LSU at 10 was interesting. I'm sure there will be a lot of difference of opinion on that. But all the other teams are ranked below Kentucky and substantially below Kentucky. I think Missouri and Tennessee were in the 40s, Mississippi State in the 50s, Louisville in the 50s, and several way down below that. So, you know, some of the early rankings, I'm sure, will, will cause – 
people to, to feel like 6.5 is low, you know, and, and it's true. It seems like a very top-heavy schedule, some, some very tough games and some very not-so-tough games, which is one reason I think people will be optimistic about them this year. For the purposes of this discussion, we'll assume pro football focus is on the money with their rankings. So that would, by the, the rankings, put Kentucky with nine wins. Um, mm-hmm. What would be the best shot of an upset in the other three? I think LSU. I think LSU for sure. I mean, I think Georgia's going to be tough, we know, just because of the way Kirby's teams play. I don't want to say it's Kentucky's kryptonite because they got a new offensive coordinator, so we got to see if that can shake up the matchup. But that's a tough game. Florida is very talented, and Mullen has always been a tough – they've played him tough, but he, he's always been, um, you know, difficult. And, and LSU, I think, is going to be better than they were this past season, but does anybody really know the longer-term direction of the program under Ed Orgeron? I don't think we do. So I think that, that would be the one I would circle. What are you hearing on the uh, search for a replacement for Steve Klingscale on the coaching staff? Yeah, I, I've heard that, that there are a couple of guys that are still in it, or as of yesterday had still been in it. And I know one is Tabor Johnson, the uh, assistant defensive backs coach with the Las Vegas Raiders, who has been he has a really impressive resume. I mean, he's been cornerbacks coach at Ohio State, defensive backs coach there. He's been an associate head coach at Power 5 job before. He's been a defensive coordinator just you know, in terms of all of his experiences, he checks a lot of the boxes. And, you know, there have been some other names mentioned, but Tabor Johnson from the Raiders is one that I know that, that they really like. At catsillustrated.com, you guys have come up with an all-offensive team. I'm sure we'll see this soon on defense, too, for the Stoops era. And yeah. you don't often see a player on something like this at two different positions, but Lynn Bowden is. Yeah, I got I got Bowden as the as the the quarterback and one of the three receivers. And receiver was probably the hardest one to do just because none of the program's top ten receivers have been in the last seven or eight years. And so there's a lot of guys you can make a case for, but I put Bowden there in two thousand eighteen because of, you know, punt returns and everything else, but also quarterback. I mean, she could make a case for another quarterback, Steven Johnson, maybe Terry Wilson, ten and three. Uh, but Bowden, I just think what he did in that Wildcat, you know, you're, you're the Horning Award winner at quarterback. I mean, that was probably that, that was the decisive factor. The Horning Award winner touching the ball on every play turned out to be not so bad at quarterback. Yeah, they were forced into that move, and I think week to week they were even surprised at how well it was working. Yeah, I mean, it, there were some limitations. I mean, against Georgia, it didn't work so well, but nothing has. You know, against Tennessee, they they could move it, but they couldn't really punch it in. But they ran over some teams, and they were really, you know, it was the, really the best rushing attack in the country, and that counts for a lot. Uh, let's uh, shift to a, a basketball topic. Uh, John Rosty in CBS Sports tweeted yesterday about uh, he's hearing several mid-majors would not play guarantee games this year because it would be, quote, a free live evaluation for the opponent uh, at a higher level of their players. And, you know, I understand uh, that mid-major coaches are going to be frustrated with this new policy, but I I think that kind of approach is is never the way that's, you know, going to serve you well long-term. That's a really reactionary um, decision by those coaches. I mean, those schools really rely on money 
from these high major schools or these power conference schools. I mean, they can't function without that money. And, you know, you're already going through budget shortfalls and the issues from the last year, and it seems so self-defeating and vindictive and just kind of a decision that's really salty. Like, I mean, scouting is an advanced project in today's basketball game at every level. You know, people employed, smart people employed just to – just to do scouting at Kentucky and everywhere else, they're not. You're not hiding those players by saying, "Okay, well, Kellen Grady's not going to get to play three power conference schools this year." They're still going to know who Kellen Grady is. You know, it, 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 you're not hiding them. I just think I, I don't. I don't think that they're ultimately going to make this decision because it doesn't seem to have a lot of forethought in it. No, it doesn't. And plus, it can work both ways. You know, the guys at the end of the bench on the power uh, conference program might be interested in playing more at a mid-major yeah that's right eventually the scales are going to balance out everybody catches up and it's it's not an advantage for for any group of schools in the long run it just makes your job a little harder and the people who grind and and who are good regardless of what level they're they're at you know it's going to even out for them but you know it's not pleasant i understand why they're frustrated by it but it can benefit them like you said you guys have a trial offer for subs- potential subscribers that's uh, nearing an end, right? Yeah, yeah, 30 days free. No no commitments. Just try us out. Just cancel if you want and stick with us if, you, if you'd like, and I appreciate you mentioning that. And if they do that, they could see an interesting story on uh, Trayvon, Trayvon Longmire, a U.K. Uh, pledge who uh, is a player who could play multiple positions. Yeah, yeah, we spoke with a couple of his coaches at Corbin. Really interesting player because we've known about him for so long. Burst onto the scene with a 60-yard touchdown in the state championship game when he was a high school freshman. And I have no clue if he's going to be a receiver, a safety, or a cornerback. In spite of all we know about him, he's just a super versatile kid, and they raved about his personality and his demeanor. So, so I'm excited to see him. His coach said corner. I think receiver is possible, but but it's up in the air. And uh, Vince Marrow's uh I guess uh, nephew or great-nephew is uh, starting to create quite a buzz since coming to Lexington, right? John McCreer, yeah. He's going to be playing for, for Brad, Brad Beal Elite. And, uh, we, you know, we knew he was a great athlete. He seems to be coming into his own. He, he's getting stronger. And, you, you know, he has some length and some athleticism and some things that you just can't teach. He's going to be a, a high-major kid. So that's interesting to see. I know Antigua from Kentucky has shown some interest. So that'll, that'll really be interesting. CatsIllustrated.com, at Roland Rivals on Twitter. Thanks, Justin. Thanks a lot. We'll come back and hear from Audrey Snyder of The Athletic. She covers Penn State football. She'll give us a little scoop on Will Levis's days with the Nittany Lions. It's the Leach Report Radio Network, and we'll be right back. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Welcome back into our Thursday edition of the Leach Report. And we go to the phones to bring on Audrey Snyder. She covers Penn State football for TheAthletic.com. She joined us a couple of years ago before the Citrus Bowl to uh, talk about the Kentucky-Penn State matchup. This time, we're reconnecting to get a little intel on Will Levis. And, uh, Audrey, what was what would have been his role had he stayed with the Nittany Lions, and uh, what did he accomplish in the time he was there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it would, for Levis, it would have been, I mean, he would have come into camp as the backup with a shot again to push Sean Clifford for that starting job. But it kind of, it's been like this for the last few years for Levis, and I think that's ultimately why he left. I mean, it was... 
he had his best shot to try and take the role last year when Sean Clifford struggles and they pull Clifford and Levis makes a spot start. But then he comes in and that start and struggles and the job goes back to Clifford. So, I mean, he had the opportunity here, but it was kind of interesting in how Will Levis was used last year because we didn't see him throw the ball a whole heck of a lot. Um, it became pretty predictable. Penn State's offense was a mess last year, but pretty much they were using Will to run in short yards yardage situations too um i mean they were successful doing it but it certainly wasn't uh, exactly the uh, the role you'd expect from your quarterback i saw your colleague uh, bruce feldman did a story last week on one of these quarterback guru guys who uh, helps mm-hmm. uh, quarterbacks with yep. their mechanics and um the uh, gentleman one of his uh, main clients was uh, will levis but that uh, did start prior to last season as i understand it right Yes, that's my understanding too. Yes. What Will? It seems like from reading that article and what I've I've read of of Will that the the book on him is that uh, he has a very strong arm. Correct. Yes, and that was kind of what made last year interesting was because we didn't see Penn State, you know, throw the ball a whole heck of a lot when he came in the game. But I will say the one thing that kind of stood out and we saw it a little bit um, in the red zone was he was lacking at the time at least touch on his passes. I mean, he was really kind of zipping the ball in there, um, you know, so that was one of the things that I know came up here last year was there were times where he didn't, you know, he didn't have enough touch on the ball. But, yeah, I mean, the big arm was, was definitely what he was known for as a recruit. Um, but, yeah, it, it was just bizarre the way he was used here last year. What uh, was the scouting report on him when he came in as a recruit? It was it was the big arm. I mean, it was he was a three-star kid, um from his high school, he was in Connecticut, if I do recall, um, and that's kind of a, I mean, Penn State's gotten a lot of kids from that area, but obviously you don't think of that as, as a football hotbed, you know, it's not a Pennsylvania, it's not an Ohio, um, but yeah, I mean, they brought him in, and it was kind of, last year, I mean, he entered the year with the position of, okay, Sean Clifford just helped take this team to the Cotton Bowl the year before, so you were certainly the backup, but then once Clifford struggled, you know, uh, then Levis had that opportunity, but yeah, I mean, not you know, not the most uh, heralded guy coming out by any stretch. But he was a three-star kid, um, and he was somebody who I remember talking with his high school coach, I think maybe last season or two seasons ago. Um, and during that conversation, he had shared with me just you know, Will had all of those qualities that you look for in a quarterback. You know, he was that leader. He was the guy who you know, teammates would rally around. And this was something that was evident, you know, early on in his high school career. So he has the intangibles um, as a quarterback, but it's just now a matter of kind of putting it all together. And I had a conversation with Will after he announced his his transfer this winter. And, you know, it's kind of interesting to me because you take a guy who's been used to like a, a normal training setting gear, right, doing everything with the team. And, you know, he spent all winter mostly working out on his own because he wasn't around the team because of COVID protocols and all those kinds of things. So, um, you know, he should be. My understanding was he graduated early May, so he should have arrived already, um, you know, to kind of give himself a shot to compete for this job. We're talking with Audrey Snyder. She covered Will Levis when he was at Penn State for TheAthletic.com. My guess is, from what you're saying, it didn't come as a surprise to the folks at Penn State that he would look to get a fresh start somewhere? Yes and no. I mean, I I say that because he always, you know, said the right things, and it was always, hey, I'm here to help the team however I can. Um, And he was genuine in that. I mean, you could see it last year 
both he and Sean Clifford on the sideline helping each other out. I mean, you know, they're both competing for that same job. Both are struggling, but they're helping each other out through it, um, kind of serving as a sounding board for each other. So in that aspect, it was surprising, but I think you always have to look at it from the perspective of, all right, only one quarterback is going to get the ball. Only one guy's going to have that chance. And if you're Levis, you had that shot last year and you kind of couldn't capitalize on it. Um, but Penn State then, then ended up in an interesting position because their then number three quarterback um, went to Oklahoma where he's going to be a backup. So Penn State still currently only has three scholarship quarterbacks because they lost two of them this offseason, which, I mean, I guess in this day and age that's kind of the norm for quarterbacks. But, but yeah. Yeah, Coach used to be here at Kentucky many years ago. I said quarterbacks were born to transfer. And it seems like everybody's <laughs> born to transfer in this new world, but quarterbacks in particular. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that one. Uh, you mentioned that they used him a lot as a runner last season when he would come into games. Um, is is As a runner, is is he considered more of a short yardage specialist or and down around the red zone, or was he really good out in space, too, if he had to pull the ball down and run with it? I would say more so short yardage. I mean, he's big. I mean, that's the other part with Will. He's a big, you know, thick kid. He's strong. Um, and that was kind of the interesting part. So Penn State, they were calling it the Falcon package. And so when he was coming on the field, you know, it would be third and one, third and two. And you're like, all right, like Will's not going to throw the ball because there was this crazy stretch last year that I want to say it got up around probably 30 consecutive plays where he came on the field and did not attempt to pass. Um, so they just kept running the ball with him, but it was working. So that was kind of the other side of it. You're like, all right, at one of these times, you know, he's going to throw the ball, but he just kept running with it. Um, way back when he had told me he was a running back, like back in middle school. Uh, so, you know, obviously he's a good athlete, but he's certainly not like the shiftiest guy, but he's very strong. Um, and that was kind of the thing. It's like, all right, you want to, you want to knock this Falcon package and how they're using it, but. Then the other side, it's like, all right, it is working. So, uh, you know, so I think I'd be curious to see what his mobility looks like um, solely as a quarterback. And I think so much of it, too, just depends on the offense because Penn State has had so many transitions with different offenses. Um, and last year, it was just tough to gauge so much off of any of these quarterbacks because the offense was just so helter-skelter. What about his personality? He's coming into a, a new school, a new community, a new group of teammates. See a guy that uh, connects well. Uh, is he outgoing? All those kinds of things. For, for us, dealing with him, which I feel like is always just such a different different scope of how we, we interact with players. Of course, last year all on Zoom too, uh, but he was tremendous to deal with. Like super, super nice guy, um, helpful, cooperative, polite. I know teammates loved him. I mean, that was kind of the thing too when I say the transfer was a bit of a surprise it was because he was always you know so team first and team oriented um that you know you kind of have to remember hey you know this is a business but also the other thing he was a really good student here and I think that kind of speaks to the fact that you know he was able to graduate early uh which helps get him in the position that he's in now um as a grad transfer and he I believe was a, was a business or a finance major here um I there was a time where he had, like, the best GPA on the team or one of the best GPAs. Um, so really, really bright kid. But, yeah, it's just um, 
it was it was nice getting to kind of know Will and, and get a feel for him a little bit. I do think he's somebody that fans there are going to like. I think he's a guy who's, who's easy to root for because he kind of like says and does all the right things. You know, I think fans will will find it easy to like a guy like that. Andre Schneider covers Penn State football for theAthletic.com. Thank you for your time. You got it. Audrey Snyder joining us here on the Leach Report with some interesting insight on Will Levis. We're coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. This is the Leach Report Radio Network, and we'll be right back. It's the Leach Report, and Chris Fisher, who's with us on Thursdays, has a story up. At the Cat's Paws site, you uh, need to be a subscriber to have access to it, but uh, the headline says Isaiah Jackson's closing in on a final draft decision. His dad tells uh, Chris that they're, quote, really close and that uh, they've gathered uh, enough info, he says. Um, Isaiah's dad says that they got word back from all of the NBA teams that Isaiah would be a first-round pick, a couple of them, said Lottery. Um he says, but, quote, all you need is to get chosen by one. So we'll see. Sounds like maybe uh, sooner rather than later we'll get a, uh, a decision. Drew Timmy has made his decision. He's returning to Gonzaga for another season. And a birthday that we missed yesterday, a belated happy birthday to Maria Montgomery. She and Ravi Moss are the hosts for home games at Rupp Arena telling you about uh, things that are going on, running contests, etc. So a belated happy birthday to Maria. That'll do it for us today. Coming up tomorrow, we'll have uh, Eamon Brennan from The Athletic. Here's an interesting story up uh, and a take on the transfer situation in college basketball in particular. Uh, Jerry Tipton from the Herald Leader and Kayla Kowalik from UK Softball as they play the Super Regionals tomorrow down in Alabama. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to